of all right. So the next stop is Yudchet. We pick up at the bottom of, or t- unfortunately, at the, the top of the middle of Yudchet. <laughs> um, we pick up with um, um, okay. Um, one minute. Amar of Yochanan, the first wide line. Okay, of Yudzayinam and about a third from the top. Amar of Yochanan, says of Yochanan, Gedolot Tshuva Shemikraat Mikaraat Zardino Shaladam. Greatest Tshuva. So now we're back to the sort of dialectic between the idea of Zardin and then the idea of Tfila and Tshuva that allows for a constant reassessment. So greatest Tshuva that it tears up the Zardin, the um, you know the um, sort of like the documents in which your in which your judgment has been written. So, you know, this, the heart of this people has become fat and their ears heavy and their eyes blind that lest they see with their eyes and their ears hear and their heart understand and they will do tshuva and then they'll be healed. So you see that tshuva works even after Gzardin. So the obvious question is, Amalei Rav Papa Labai V'dimali Shnei Gzardin, who told you that was after Gzardin? Maybe that was before Gzardin. Amalei V'rafei Loksiv, you'll be healed. Eidu Dabr Shetach Rishuah, why do you need healing? Heavy Omezek Gzardin, it must be that there was already an edict against you. There was something that was bad that now needs healing. Okay, well, I don't know if say healing in terms of your own, you know, your own uh, per, uh, personhood and yourself as, you know, and, and, and uh, y- your own deeds, but okay. Um, so, um, okay, uh, Mesa, I'll ask you on this. So now we're going to deal with this question whether tshuva works after Gzardin. Hashav bin in mochimlo. So if you do tshuva between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it'll be forgiven to you. Lo shav if you don't do um, well, um, um, lo shav being time if you don't do tshuva between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur a few heavy called eleni by even if you bring all like the uh, you know the um, um, uh, rams of sacrifices all these fat rams in the world ain't mochim well it won't be forgiven to you so you see that after the gzardin it won't be forgiven you only have your camp until Yom Kippur that's the context lo kash it's not difficult habi yochid habi tibur difference whether it's a yochid or tibur so now we're modifying ourselves. We're saying that that Tshuva works after Gazardin only for a Sibor. Alright, well that's pretty radically modified. That means that every individual after Yom Kippur has no chance of uh, reversing any decisions that were made up by Yom Kippur. Well, we, well, right. So anyway, so let's keep on going. Mesa, I'll ask you on this. The eyes of God are on it, the land of Israel, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Sometimes God will be inspecting it later in the year for good, sometimes for bad. How does it mean for good? Let's say they were completely wicked on Rosh Hashanah. And it was decided there would only be a small amount of rain. By the way, notice here the connection of the Gzardin of rain on Rosh Hashanah. It goes back to some of the tensions in, the, in that Mishnah about, rain, about what, when is the rain as opposed to, you know, and when is the person, etc. Anyway, it was decreed that they would only have a small amount of rain on Rosh Hashanah. So, Chazruban, then they did Shuva. You can't add to them the gzera was already decreed. God will bring the rain, but he'll bring it at the exact perfect time. So it'll be a small amount, but it'll be at the right time. And exactly on the lands that need it. So even a small amount, if it's exactly placed, it'll, uh, it'll be for good. So the gzera is true, and in the end, there's an you know, the tshuva has its effect. And the tshuva was after Yom Kippur? Yeah, the tshuva was after Yom Kippur. All right. Okay. Now, uh, Hakolofia Aret. It's everything according to what is exactly needed for the land. Eating the raw. Sometimes it'll be for bad. They were totally tzaddikim. And there was a tree that they would have a lot of rain. So then they did tshuva. It's funny, chazru. They didn't say tshuva. They reversed themselves. They went back to their evil ways. You can't give them less than was decreed. There was already decreed. Brings it in the bad time when rain isn't good for the crops. On the land that does not need it. So anyway, the gzera is true, and the tshuva or the reversal, actually interesting of deeds, is effective. So again, playing between the idea of a gzardin and a constant uh, reevaluation of your deeds and what you are deserving. 
So the Gemara says, Latova mia likare, ligzar dinaihu, the lo siflahu. So the Gemara says, I don't get it though. That's sort of saying we're going to play within the system. But according to you, Shuba can really tear up the Gazardin. You don't even have to worry about the, about the earlier decree. So why didn't, in that scenario, why didn't you just say that God tears up the Gazardin? So the Gemara says, Shani Ofem de Eftabachi. No, as long as you can work within the system, we'll work within the system. Okay, so there, but Enochanami, if it required a tearing up of the Gzardin, it would tear up of the Gzardin. Okay, Tashma, of course it's fun by Tzibur. Of course, you know, it's funny, like, you know, the whole uh, thing that we read by Yonah, you know, by Aniom Kippur, is very much, you know, God, you know, reverses his decree, is that idea. I mean, no, some of that imagery, right, about God making a decree and reversing it and so on, I mean, you know, you get some of that in Yonah. So the, and that was a Tzibur. Tashma. Okay, your day ayamba aniyot. So this is the psukim into Yilim about Peter. About actually, this serves as the basis for the um, for the uh, uh, for the korban toda. Um, you know, uh, because it gives scenarios where people see God saving, you know, hand and uh, and come back and, and you know and give thanks. So your day ayamba aniyot. Those that go down to the sea in the sh- in the ships. Osei melachab b'mayim rabim that they do, you know, they work in the in in, in the great waters. Heimarau um, maasei Hashem. They saw the great. They see the great deeds of God. Vayomar vayamod ruach se'arav atzramein galav yachogu vayanu kishikur. So you know, you know, the, a great wind comes up in the sea, and they um, and the the the, uh, the, the waves go, uh, get raised very high, and they, uh, they, they, they 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 sway back and forth like the drunk. Vayitzakuel Hashem b'tzalem. They call out to God when it is they're in anguish. Yodulat, and then God saves them. Hashem they give, thanks, they give thanks to God for His kindness, for His greatness. Okay, so, Now, if you look at where that appears in Tanakh, I should have brought a Tanakh, but I did not. Um, it, oh, you got one there? Let's see if it replicates visually what it looks like, because there, where that appears in Tanakh, there are little, as the Gemara says, little uh, special letters. Right, which is exactly what it looks like. It's funny that I think Rashi says "kaze" because it's exact. I know because it's exactly that. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if people can see. Do you see? Can you see here at the very beginning? Can you see? Can you see the little nuns here, the upside down nuns at the beginning of the psukim? You'll trust me. You can pass it around. Okay. So all the thing that speaks about these people seeing the great things of God in the beginning of each pasuk, right there, the upper right hand corner, you mm-hmm. see the type little nuns. Okay, so the Gemara says you can pass to the other side. So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, right. Okay, so the Gemara says, where are we? Wait a minute. Aselam simaniot. It made these little signs in the beginning of the psukim. Kakim v'rakim Those signs show a certain sense of like the word ach or rak, like a little sense of that it's there's a reservation there. It's not complete. What does that mean? It means, Lomar to tell you, Sa'aku, Kodem Gazardin. So here they are, you know, and the boat's about to be overturned. And it says they call out to God and God answers them. But it's with those little simanim to tell you, but not always, like an asterisk, is sort of like the Gemara says. You know, you know, it's like, you know, a big prize, like this, here's this amazing thing, but there's a little asterisk. What does the asterisk mean? The asterisk means that only if they called out to God before Gzardin, Sa'aku, Kodem Gzardin, Ne'anin, then they'll be answered. Sa'aku, Lachar Gzardin, if they called out after Gzardin, Ainanin, they will not be answered. What? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's everybody on the ship. So let's take a look. So that's what the Gemara says. Honey, no, dummy. Okay, so maybe you got a ship full of people, but they're not at seaboard. So that's not a proof. So now we're sort of re- reaffirming this idea that it works after Gemara but only for its seaboard. Tashma. No, let's go on. Tashma. Shall a Bluria Hagioret, Bluria the convert, asked at Rebbe Gamliel, I don't know, it says in your Torah. Okay, interesting. So if you take a look in the Sheiltos where it repeats this story, it does, or it has a different version of it, it doesn't have the word Torahchem, because Torahchem is usually said when a non Jew is challenging the rabbis, but here she's a Giorah. Okay, maybe she asked it before she converted. Anyway, let's take a look. God does not show favor. But then the Pusuk says, God will lift his countenance to you. Now, of course, that's really not a contradiction, because the Sosa says that means God doesn't show favor, you know, it doesn't play favor. 
favorites, and because somebody is rich or, or, or you know, of a status, doesn't get a better, you know, doesn't get a, par, you know, partial treatment. And God, Yisachem Panavilecha, means that God shows a good, a, a, a positive countenance towards you. God is favorable towards you. But anyway, let's take a look. It asks us as a contradiction. Nitzvah Rabbi Yossi HaKohen. Rabbi Yossi HaKohen was uh, given over to answer her. He said to her, Amalai, he said to her, let me give you an example. Excuse me. A person who is who um, has lent his friend a hundred dollars. The And he said, and they went in front of the king, and the guy and, and said, "You're going to pay me by this date." And he, the guy who owed the money took an oath in the life of the king that he would pay him. He gives man para, and the time came, and the guy didn't pay. So the debtor went to the king because he basically had now, you know, it was a sin against the king, not just against the creditor. So when the king said to him, My offense, I will be mochel to you. You have to go now, appease your friend, because he's the one that you also took, you know, did not pay up the money to. Hachanami, here too. It depends when, between people or between a person and God. When it's between you and God, so the word of no say also is connected with no say avon. Right? So God will forgive you. But, when will God not forgive you? When it is you are sinning against another person. And then as long as you have not made good with the other person, God will not forgive you. Um, that's how he read the verses. Until Rabbi Akiva came and said, Top of the difference is before Gzardin and after Gzardin. Before Gzardin, God will forgive you. After Gzardin, God will not forgive you. So the Gemara says, Ah, you see, after Gzardin, no forgiveness. Same answer. Here too, we're talking about an individual. Okay, so now we have had a lot of contradictions, and we've resolved them by saying Gzardin is torn up, it could be torn up for a Tzibur, not for a Yachid. So now the Gemara is going to not be satisfied with that because that again pretty much means that as a Yachid you're stuck. So the Gemara says, But at the end of the day the Gzardin of the Yachid is a Bey of Tanayim whether that will be torn up after Gzardin. The time is on the Brisa. Hayyam Rebbe Meir Omer. Rebbe Meir used to say, Shnaim Sha'alu Lumita. Two people went into the bed. Um, and um, this means um, that two people got sick, you know, were taken to the hospital. V'cholyan uh, Shaveh. Uh, and they had the same illness. V'cholyan Shnaim Sha'alu Lugardam. Where two people were brought to the, uh, to be judged, you know, by the, uh, um, um, to be judged for capital crime, Lidon. So the garden was uh, some the place where you know they were people were judged for very for capital crimes. Well, Latin. So, from from Latin word yeah. meaning what? Uh, it uh, means step. It replies to the fact, the way that the Romans would execute people. Okay, like a gallows. Yeah. Okay, the dinam shaveh. And they both have, the, you know, they both have the same uh, judgment passed against them. They're both, uh, the, you know, they're, they're both being taken in for murder or something. But then what happens? The outcomes are different. One guy gets out of the bed. One guy comes home from the hospital, and the other guy died. Then One guy gets freed from the from the court, and the other guy didn't and got executed. Why did it be that the outcomes were different? It must be the one prayed and was answered and one prayed and wasn't answered okay so that's the difference one prayed I'm sorry they both prayed right so that doesn't answer the question why was one answered and one not answered one played a true prayer or a full prayer and the other was not a full prayer okay so again here's obviously the rabbi is trying to explain you know why things happen in the world and what's the logical connection between those and and onish and deeds and you know just trying to explain God's hand in natural events so attributing here to the question about how good was your prayer you know but of course look these are the big problems you know it's like the Gemara we said yesterday about like on Rosh Hashanah everything gets decided you know uh, Tzadikim will die and Rishayim will live excuse me that, that was for you Tzadikim will live and Rishayim will die and then the world doesn't exactly work out that way so here Rabbi, Akiva, Rabbi Mayer is trying to explain it based on how good was your tefillah um, Rabbi Eliezer Amar Rabbi Eliezer has a different answer Kan Kodem Gzardin Kan Lachar Gzardin maybe one of them that both the same things were happening here on the earth 
but one of them um, there was already had been a Gzardin for him the other up in heaven there had not been a Gzardin okay so again that would reinforce the idea that after Gzardin you're stuck so are you just saying it's two different time frames? No, maybe, you know, I don't know. Who knows what happened to the person on Rosh Hashanah? We don't know what happened up in heaven. And uh, now it is the middle of the year. They're both, they, they both went to the hospital. But on Rosh Hashanah, one of them had a gzardin for Misa and the other didn't. So there, see, the gzardin cannot be reversed. So here's the point we were looking for, which is finally opinion that says that even after gzardin and even for an individual, there can always be a reversal. Crying out, notice this crying out, because that was the context of Rebbe Mayor Tefillah, interestingly, not Teshuvah. Crying out is good for a person. Presumably, Teshuvah would also be good, but crying out is good for a person whether before Gardin or after Gardin. Okay, so meaning he didn't explain the idea of why one survived and one didn't, but um, you know, maybe that's, but, but he does underscore the idea that you can always reverse the Gardin. So now the Gemara says, the gzardin the tzibur mi mikra. So on the one hand, we have an opinion that says even the gzardin of a yachid could be torn up. Now we're going to go to the opposite extreme. Who says that a gzardin of a tzibur could be torn up? The hakkas of echadomer. One verse says, kipsi me ra'ali beich, um, cleanse your heart from evil. Fixiv. And the other verse says, in techapsi vanetev atarbi lach borit, nichtam avonech lefanai. If you will cleanse yourself with a lie and uh, have uh, much soap, nevertheless, your sin is, your sin is always, uh, uh, stained before me. So you see, you can't cleanse the sin. My love, and that, there was Yirmiyah talking to the entire people. So my love, kind presumably the reconciliation is that what is talking before Exardin, the other after. And you see that after Exardin, you can never fully cleanse it, even for its seaboard. Someone says, low. No, I divide the Exardin. They're both after Exardin. And so what does it mean you can't cleanse it? If we've been insisting that at least for its seaboard, definitely there's a reversal. The low cash, your convicts are doing shishimo shuva, convicts are doing shuva, I know, shivua, the convicts are doing shishimo shivua. So now, like all these different stages, it's quite fascinating. Again, right, the Gemara has an idea of din and a Gemara din, but wait, what about the idea of Adam Nida Bokoyom? What about the idea of shuva? What about the idea of shiva? Okay, so we have a Gemara din, plus we've got shuva that can always work to reverse that. And then the question of Yachid and Tiba. But then, we have these other psukim that sound like you can't reverse it. So now we're going to create yet another hierarchy, which is there's not, there's a normal Gzardin, Ksiva and there's Khatima, it's written on your different Nachtam, that's Exardin. That, however, can still be reversed, but then there's this other hierarchy which is Exardin with a Shvua, when God takes an oath that this is the way it's going to remain. Then that can't be reversed. Okay? Shanema, as the verse says, I'm sorry, um, that won't be torn up even for its zebra presumably so I have taken an oath that it will not be atoned for so, right I don't exactly get it number one it's for an individual number two is okay God made a shura how do you know that means that God how do you what I don't know I would agree with Michael I don't think that that's normally what concerts at Seabor but okay but um, um mm. But I don't know. All you see there is that there was a shvua. I don't know how you see that that means that it won't ever be written up. Of course, that's the whole idea of a shvua, that this is the way it will remain. But I don't see exactly what you see from the pasuk. Anyway, okay, so what's all, all fascinating is we introduce an idea of a ksiva and a chatima and a gzardin, but we don't let it lay that way. We speak about the fact that it could be torn up. And maybe, certainly for a tzibur, maybe for a Now we've introduced the idea of a shavua and said that a shavua with a shavua can't be torn up. But now look what we're going to do. We're not going to let that sit either. So let's see the next statement. So the says like this, Amar Rava says, Rava, The sin won't be atoned for, for by a sacrifice or by a, a grain offering. It can be atoned for by Torah. So it's not really violating the Shrua. It's just playing like the loopholes, as it were, of the Shrua, okay? So fine, that's the way it won't be atoned, but maybe there's still a way that it can be atoned for. And now this is a very famous Gemara. Now there's a question whether the first statement was Rava or Rabba. Most people have the first statement being Rabba, and it's consistent now with the next statement. Rabba and Abai were both descendants of Beit Eli. So the reason they say it can't be Rava is because Eli was obviously a Kohen. And Rava, we know, was not a Kohen. Although Rashi says maybe his mother, you know, maybe through his mother's side, he was descendant of Beit Eli, which would be interesting if that would be included in the curse, right? Even the mother, even the women descendants. Okay, but we'll do 
with Rabba. Rabba and Abai from where were Beit Eli. Rabba the Asik Torah Chaya Boyn Rabba who learned Torah lived for 40 years because that was some degree of a Kapara for the sin. We'll see that if you don't have a Kapara for the sin of Beit Eli you die much, even younger than that. Much younger. Abaye the Asik Torah Uv Gmilus Chasadim and Abaye who said that it's atoned for with Torah Gmilus Chasadim and he in his own life was Osek in Torah Gmilus Chasadim Chaya Shishin He lived even longer he lived 60 years. Uh, if you take a look Tosvos says uh uh, the end of this Tosvos, um, one minute, he says like this, um, the Tosvos Raba, it's the, near the bottom, it's the line that starts with the word Dehacha, it's about six lines before the Tosvos Al. He says, Dehacha mashma de Raba lo hayalo zuchus shog milus chasadim. That Abayi himself says Raba, but the master has in his hands Torah and Gemilus Chasadim. All right, nevertheless, Abayi still did it, was more Usik in it, right? So that's the question. Like a lot of people, you know, fine, they do some good deeds, they have Gemilus Chasadim, but are you Usik in Gemilus Chasadim? Like how much do you make it like a major commitment and a major part of what your, you know, emphasis and your religious pursuits are? So Abayi really emphasized not just Torah but also doing good in the world and Gemilus Chasadim and it had this much much more efficacious effect yes and yet we roll against it by almost all the time this is not a halachic debate but um, <laughs> alright so it's a very powerful statement you know about what it means just to be this is from within the rabbis you know just to be in the world like in the little base medrash and ju- you know just you know, just to be staying within the rabbinic circle and learning Torah as opposed to that obligation and that mandate to be osik to be with chasadim and the impact that it had um, yes what do you make in that same Joseph Apparently, Rava had a theological view that uh, the Mazalas, right. the Mazalas, yeah, like a huge, yeah. Now you understand why I skipped that. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: Tana will do that when we learn that Gemara. Okay, Tana Rava. No, I won't. That's that's not the topic here. That's the topic over there. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, Okay, now, Tana Rabbanan, a rabbi's time. Now, 60 years is important because the Gemara says that, when, right, that if you die, you know, uh, that, uh, that if anybody dies under 60 is considered still with, under the edict of, like, karate, that the, the idea of, of karate, I, I, you know, let's put it this way, karate in the Gemara means that somebody will die, uh, the way the Gemara understands, under 60. It doesn't mean that every, I don't think it's supposed to mean that anybody who dies under 60 is understood to be under that decree. But nevertheless, the idea that even Abaye did not, you know, was only up to 60 years because still still was the curse you know was still uh, in effect he only you know put, he only pushed it off to a certain degree you know he only atoned for it to a certain degree Tanu Rabbanan a rabbi's taught Mishpacha Achas Haisa Perushalayim Shayu Mateha Meitim B'nei Yudchet Shana there's a certain family in Yushalayim that everybody used to die in 18 years Bovo Diyash Rabbi Yochan Ben Zakkai they told Rabbi Yochan Ben Zakkai Amalam he said to them Shama Mishpachas Eliyatem maybe you're from the house of Eli Tukhsiv Be'i V'chom Marbis Be'i Tchayim Anashim all of the multitudes of your house will die as men while they're still like young men L'chuvi Yisku B'Torah V'chayu go learn Torah and you will live Halchuvi Yisku B'Torah V'chayu they went and they learned Torah and they lived they called it the family of Rabbi Yochanan. Of course, it's interesting. He said learn Torah. He didn't say Torah and Gemila Fasadim. Okay. One also um, sign. You know, it's interesting also about the whole issue of, um, you know, the, rabbin, the rabbis, repla- the, sort of the rabbinic role replacing the role of the Kohanim. So the, the, so the, it might be the Korbanot have lost their efficacy, but Torah, which is the replacement of the Korbanot, right, in the post-Korban period, has not lost its efficacy. And also the whole idea about, you know, about the problem of Beit Eli was that it was the power that um, that led to the abuse, you know, sort of, so the, you know, what it happens when you empower a particular religious class and the abuse that it leads to. So, presumably that also has to do with the importance here of Gemilus Chasadim, of uh, the idea that if a life of Torah, you know, translates also into Gemilus Chasadim, then that's really the atonement for the sin of Beit Eli. Um, okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, so, basically, what have we said? There's Exarchian with a shvua that can't be torn up, but maybe there can be some loopholes. And then there's a normal exarchian which could be torn up for a tzibur and maybe even for a yachid. Okay. So, Amar Shmuel Bar Inya Mishmeid Rav, Minayin Lexardin Shot Tibur Sheeno Nechtam. How do you know the Gzardin of Tibur? Not only could it be torn up, but never really gets finally sealed. It always is left open ended. So, the Gemara 
can't accept that. But even before he gets to quote his pasuk, the Gemara says, "Eino nechtam." It's not sealed. Vaksiv nichtam avonech lefanai, which has to be a plan word. Your sin is always stained before me. But presumably, those all play here of nichtam and nechtam. Okay, um, but that was the pasuk quoted earlier, which is no matter how much soap you use, the stain will always remain. Which sounds like there's an idea of it uh, being uh, sealed. So the Gemara says, "Ela afakav shenechtam nikra." How do you know even after it is sealed that it will be torn up? Because it says, Like Hashem our God, whatever we call out to Him, He will respond to us, even after the Gzardin. So, and that's a Tzibor, by the way. When we, as a people, call out to Him. One minute, but doesn't the verse says, Seek out God when He will be found, not at all times, only when God is a, will be found. So you see that he's not, God is not always accessible. No. Again, the difference of Yachid and Tzibor. By Tzibor, whenever you call out. By the Yachid, only Behimatzo. So the Gemara says, Yachid Eimat. And when is this time by the Yachid? When is God available? These are the Aser Shemei The days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that's when God is particularly responsive. By the way, we should point out that there are not ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There are seven or eight, depending on if you have one or two days of Rosh Hashanah. But okay, inclusive, including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Yes? Uh, your George, uh, right, your Correct, that is correct. You know, and the interesting thing here, though, is that it's understanding that this also allows for the tearing up of a gzardin. So whenever this behimatso is, again, we have the possibility that even for a yachid, you can have the tearing up of a gzardin if it's at the right time. And now we just have another statement about the Aser Shemin Tshuva. It was after ten days. And God smote Naval. Why did God wait ten days? Because when David sent his, uh, you know, his messengers and his servants to him, um, he uh, gave them food. So actually, Rashi says there weren't ten separate times, but it says in the Sukkim that David sent uh, ten people and he fed them all one meal. So that's Ten separate, ten, ten meals he gave them all at the same time, but okay. Um, so anyway, because of that, um, um, that God gave him a ten day reprieve. So that's one answer. Rav Nachman, Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Baravua, no. God gave Naval ten days to do tshuva, and only afterwards did he bring this punishment on him. So anyway, what we see from all of this is, just to put it all in context, right, it goes back to the whole Mishnah about the idea of when is the, when, you know, when is the din for, uh, when is the din for the fruit and the, and, and the rain, etc. Is it chilas din, sof din, particularly on the regalim, then the issue of the human being, which is on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and that any, and then we led to a much larger discussion here about this idea of Gzardin, and whether Gzardin can ever be reversed afterwards, can it be reversed for a Tzibor, can it be reversed for a Yachid, Maybe, you know, debates about Yachid, yes, by a Tzibor, then issues even with the Gzardin, etc. Okay? Um, and also to remind you what we did, I mean, very central of the Marot, this whole thing about when these din, dinim take place, the idea of a din, you know, the three books, Rishayim, Tzadikim, and Beinunim, also wasn't in our Mishnah. On the one hand, that idea of Rosh Hashanah, and also that idea of, you know, Bacharit Hayamim, you know, in, some, in the Messianic times, when there will finally be a resurrection, and everybody will be judged, and all the people that will then go to Gehenna, and, 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 you know, and, and through a period in Gehenna will ultimately merit, you know, the world to come, and then people that will completely be destroyed in Gehenna. So a lot of sort of eschatology and final judgment, you know, these are some of the really core discussions around those issues. Now we end this discussion with going back to our Mishnah and looking specifically about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Yes? I don't know. <laughs> In general, it's the, usually the Dear Shosh Hashem Bimatzal is you know, is understood to be between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, not so much the fast days. I mean, the fast days are days that we call out to God, but not a day that I think religiously we necessarily think that God is particularly, um, you know, receptive to our tshuva. Um I know it's a little ironic because we're trying to do tshuva, but the idea of God's receptivity tends to be focused not on the fast days, but on the asarsime tshuva. Okay. All right. So let's take a look now at the final point about Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah Kobayel Lamavim Lefanav Tibnei Maron. Rosh Hashanah, all those that enter in the world, presumably all you know, man, humankind, pass before God like Bnei Maron. My Tibnei Maron. What are Bnei Maron? 
So, Hacha Targimu Kibnei Amrana. Here in Israel, in, in Bavel, we translate it as Bnei Amrana. What does that mean? So, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, uh, where's the Rashi? Kibnei Amrana, about 10 lines from the top, 15 lines from the top. Kikvasim, Shamoninotam Laasaran. Like a lamb, sheep that you count what you take meiser v'yotim zecher zeh bepetach katan shein yicholim l'tzeikechad like we've been talking about meiser behema so these lambs that are walking sheep that are walking single file and that they're being counted I'm going to read the three explanations and then I'm going to talk about the symbolism okay reish lakeshamar kima'alot beit maron like the ascents in beit maron what does that mean so Rashi again says haderech katsar ve'in shnayim yicholim lelech zeh b'tzad zeh she'emek amok mishnei tzidei haderech Okay, so basically what you've got is, you've got like, you know, like one of those mountain passes, right? I want to, you know, you got like, I don't know, you, you know those roads on those mountain passes? Right, and, here, and here's the valley below, okay? So that's, you're going up the Ma'alot B'nai Maron, very narrow, one by one, and there's this like huge valley below. Okay, um, that's Ma'alot B'nai Maron. Where were we? Um... Uh, and Rabbar Amar Amar Rabbi Yudam Shmuel Kichayalot Shel Beit David. No, like the soldiers of Beit David. Rashi says that the language is like in Marut va'adnut. Somehow Maron means like a you know of, of a master. But anyway, like a like soldiers walking in single file. Um, now, right. So exactly. So the imagery here, I think, is very powerful in three different imageries of what it means to be standing in Din on um, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is, I think, the scariest one. Right? Because you're all walking like on that narrow precipice. Right, a little slip, and then you go down into the into the valley below. So this is the one that really sort of has that sense about hanging by a thread and the precariousness of you know your life hanging in judgment. The idea of sheep. Well, no, I don't know. You could say that, but who counts the sheep as the shepherd? I sort of see the one about the sheep as very much about sort of God as the caring, nurturing, you know, sort of shepherd. You know, we are the innocent sheep. We're like helpless, but we sort of. You know, but we put over, you know, we give over our, our, our trust into God. So we acknowledge our helplessness, but we also believe that God is the shepherd that is tending to us and caring to us and caring for us. So Chayalot Beit David is, what? Yeah. Well, Rashi has the, Rashi has the idea of counting every tenth one. Uh, that's not in the Gemara. The Gemara just is the sheep. I don't know. I don't, I, I wouldn't underscore that. Um, but the, but the Chayalot Beit David. <laughs> the Chayalot Beit David, I would say, hold on, the Chayalot Beit David, I would say, is very powerful, as, right. so to speak, about a sense of, like, pride. Like, you know, if we've done tshuva, and we've worked at it, and we're, you know, and we, we understand what our responsibilities are, and we're ready to stand for, like, uh, what, what is it the soldiers stand for? When the, uh, not, not the uh, inspection. Here we are, you know, we're ready for inspection. We've shined our shoes and we've got our, you know, and our, you know, and our, our, our and, and everything's in place and we're standing for inspection. It's a very different type of an imagery of how we think of ourselves approaching it. Um, Seth, you wanted to say something I was before? I say that the shepherd and flock finds its way into the liturgy. Oh, Kibakarat Roa Edro, right. Kenya right. But, uh, but you're right, but then it also has that sense of that like, you don't know which one is going to survive, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's true. I would like to maybe but make it a little bit... Down there, right? The to the I think so. I think that's still there. Yes. What do you want? Well, Arthur and Steinsalt suggested that the that Rishlakish may be referring specifically to Parmeron in northern Israel. Okay. That that's well, actually a very steep and dangerous path. Ah. Okay. Good. But I think Kibnei Maron, this idea that it means um, of soldiers. Um, does he say something in Steinsalt? I think I remember that there was some etymology about that about Bnei Maron meaning soldiers. No. Uh, the Jewish people are the army of Hakadosh Baruch yes. in constant battle with their Yitzhar. Oh, okay, that wasn't exactly what I was saying. But anyway, but no, but he doesn't say something about the word the name Aron meaning, yeah. Yeah, that's what Rashi says. Yeah, the Rashi says that. But I thought there was some other etymology. I thought there was, I, I thought there was some other etymology of the name Aron meaning some maybe Latin root or something. 
All right. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, very powerful different imageries about what about about the din on Rosh Hashanah. I think Aldef takes it as one word and it's uh, yeah. I think there's some word like Kibinumaran, not Benemaran. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. See what the Hebrew Steinfeld has. I do remember that there's some Greek etymology here. Okay, um, so, um, even though they are judged one by one, um, you know, all of these also have an idea of single file, nevertheless, God looks at all of them in one moment. You know, in one glance, God looks at everyone and judges everyone individually. Um, that's implicit in our Mishnah because the Mishnah ended with the Pasuk of he looks to, he, he creates fashions their heart as one and understands all their deeds so my kamar what does the verse mean this is what it means God takes the whole world and unites their hearts as one meaning he fashions their heart as one he takes everybody's heart and makes it all as one like creates unity it's not true we're not a unified world that's not what the Pasuk means it's not that God is fashions together our hearts this is how you read the verse. Hayotzer, the Creator, kama yachad libam, roe yachad libam, sees everybody's heart as one. and understands all of their deeds. So God sees us all at the same time, even though He's seeing us all individually. Okay. So that's the idea that we're all judged individually, and we're also all judged at once. Okay. So what does He have here? Keep the name Maron. Uh, that's. Malat b'nei Chorin of b'nei Maron. Mikitza yad shonim hagarsin kibin numeron. Makna shepeirusho etzorch hamila min numeris halitani. The Latin word numeris. Adar hashalam yevanit from the from the Greek word numeron, which means ansheit sava. Right. Yep. Yep. Men of you know soldiers. In Greek, there is a phrase, people standing as if as in a numeron. So exactly that phrase, not just what the word numeron means, soldiers, but to stand as a soldier is a Greek phrase. So that almost definitely is the uh, original shot of that. Okay, thank you. Alshisha, next Mishnah. So now we have four Rosh Hashanim I'm sorry Shisha Hashim. we have we have four Rosh Hashanim we have four times people are judged four, four periods of judgment six times six Rosh Hashim that the, that the uh, Shluchim go out to tell people you know when the uh, when Rosh Chodesh was established on Nisan Mitnei Pesach on Nisan to tell people that they you know when Rosh Chodesh Nisan is so they should know when to celebrate Pesach on Av Mitnei Hatanit and also they should know when it's Tisha B'Av when are they going out? They are going out right after Basin was Makadish Achodesh. So presumably it is no presumably so presumably it's after Korban Abayis. So your question is, what does Neha Pesach mean? Does Pesach mean Chag Hamatzos? Presumably Pesach means Chag Hamatzos. Doesn't mean the Korban Pesach. But that's a good question. There is some discussion about you know there's definitely evidence that after Korban Abayis people were still bringing. Pesach or pseudo Pesach, maybe a Pesach on Harbayas, a pseudo Pesach off of Harbayas. So some people want to say that Nisam Mitnei Pesach means for those people that were still bringing a type of a Korban Pesach. I find that a very uh, hard to believe reason because even if even if there were some people doing it, that the central basin would be sending out shluchim. I mean, yes, even if we say that you know the strong opposition to that came later and it was somewhat tolerated or somewhat even accepted, but that they would send out shluchim for that, that's not a Tzibork need. I, I find that hard to believe. Pesach presumably here just means Chakamatas, what we call Pesach, which already in the Mishnah is called Pesach. I mean, you know, it's already in the earlier Mishnah, right? It's the uh, Pesach al Hatzvuab, you know. You know, Pesach means means Chakamatas, does not mean the Korban Pesach. Yeah. Then during the Bar Kosva era, when we got back control of your shrine for a few years, um, maybe. I mean, they were still doing Kiddush Hakodesh. Oh, you mean, mean potential light to Bar Kosva? Yeah, yeah. 
But they, they, they would do Kiddush HaChodesh even after Korban Abayas. This is presumably after Korban Abayas. So a Nisan to tell people that when they were Mekadosh HaChodesh so that they could celebrate, you know, Pesach at the right time. And because you can't send them out on Rosh Hashanah to tell people when to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. So people have to assume since almost all years Elul is only 29 days. So if you know, so if you know when Rosh Hashanah Elul is and you assume 29 days, you can figure out when Rosh Hashanah is. Then after Rosh Hashanah, they would send out the shluchim to tell them when Tishrei was established, so that they could correct in case it was wrong, in case Elul wasn't 29 days, or to reaffirm that people made sure that they, yes, you were right, that is what Rosh Hashanah was. So they sent them out after Rosh Hashanah to tell them about Rosh Hodesh Tishrei just to be safe. Al Kislev Chanukah, Al Kislev they sent him out for Chanukah. That's when they had the longest time to get to people. Al Adar Mitnei Purim and Adar they sent them out to know when to celebrate Purim. And obviously they didn't have to send out people for Shavuos because you figure it out based on Pesach. Okay, Mikdash Kayam, and here's the evidence that we're talking after Korban when there was a base on Mikdash. They go out from even an ear to tell people when to bring the Pesach Sheni. Okay, so now the Gemara says, Why not, if you're going out for Tishabas, go out for Tamas and Teves, for Shivasa, for Tamas and Asar, for Teves. If people have to know when to do the fast. So, you know, obviously, the obvious reason is that, you know, you, know, you can only send out Shluchim so many times, so maybe the minor fasts don't warrant it as much, which is essentially what the Gemara is going to say. Let's take a look. What's meant by the verse? So says the Lord of hosts. Right, this is when they came back in the time of the second day, Samikdash, and they were asking, Zechariah, should we continue to fast as we have fasted until now? And the prophecy was, no, those things that have been fast, they will become days of rejoicing now that we're having a rebuilding of the temple. So what are those days? So the, day, the fourth, well, the Gemara will say. So for, uh, these are basically all of our fasts. We'll see how the Gemara unpacks that in a minute it calls it both a fast and it calls it rejoicing it's funny that Gemara makes it like it's a problem the Pesukim are, are explicit that one is transforming into the other which is what the Gemara says when there's peace meaning it's good times, certainly times that there's a base on Mikdash, we'll see how Shalom is explained. Those days transform into days of rejoicing. In Shalom, if there's no peace, so it's a fast day. So you see you have all these fast days. So if you have all these fast days, right, etc., why aren't, and that's when there's a Chorban Habayis, why aren't the Shluchim going out for the fast days? So Amar Papa Hachi Kamar. No, here's how you have to read it. When there's true peace, it's like a time of a base of mikdash. It's a time of rejoicing. If it's the opposite extreme, there's the edict from the government, meaning like we're under oppression, at a time of oppression, so, then there are fast days. If it's like a time where, on the one hand, it's not a perfect time, there's no base on mikdash. On the other hand, we're not being actively oppressed. In those types of times, Ain't shalom. There's not. It's not there at machu, but it's also not shalom. Then ratzu misanim, ratzu ain't misanim. If you want to, you fast. If you want to, you don't fast. So you don't have to fast on the minor fast days when it's not a period of oppression. And by the way, you know, I mean, it's funny. I still, you know, uh, briskers tend to be machmir on everything, crazy chumras. Apparently they have a tradition. I don't know if this is true about all of them, but the ones I knew that they basically don't fast on the minor fast days. So I was like, once I was like shocked and I was like, you know, I was seeing some say, what, I like you a chole? Is it hard for you to fast? Does it give you a headache? Because, you know, the threshold is a lot less on these minor fasts. No, I don't want to. Let's wait. <laughs> it gets in the way of my Talmud Torah. So anyway, again, I can't promise that that's how all of them act, but it is pretty interesting that in principle, that's the halacha of Rosway Mizanev, but you go try to find that in the Shulchan Aruch, you know, the threshold is lower in terms of like headaches and whatever, but nevertheless, um, that's uh, pretty, uh, we, we have somewhat bracketed that halacha. So the Gemara says, yes. The community, the community as a whole, it's not an individual choice. I mean, it's a whole thing. Has to rot to Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Let's go see if we do that in our entire community, make that choice, see how, how happy people are with it. Anyway, um, but okay. I figured, anyway, people would say something like, it's sort of like Mariv, you know, Mariv is Rishus. But now we've all decided to do it. Okay. He says the Gemara, anyway, that's why they don't go out. Because, you know, it's, you don't have to do it. 
If that's true, don't go out for Tishabab. That's also one of the fast days listed here. No. Amar proper Shani Tishabab Ho Buhuchvalu Botsaras. No, Tishabab is special. There were so many, you know, uh, tragedies that befell us on Tishabab, that is not an optional fast day. The Amar Ma'ar, because we teach, Petishabab Karhabais from Shonu Bishniya, the Basar Mikhish was destroyed the first time and the second time. The Nilkata Basar Basar was destroyed, Vinechashair, the city was plowed over. So, and now Tazos points out that, you know, the Gemara, it also says in Tainus that there were many things that happened in Antivas of Atamus. But Tazos says, but yes, but the repetition, uh, first of all, the weight of what happened, the basement was destroyed, but also the same thing twice. It wasn't like five different random things. Okay? Obviously, Tisha B'av is much weightier. Also, you know, Tisha B'av starts the night before, whereas these other fast days do not. Although when we learn Tainus, we'll see some issues around how obvious all of those differences are. But clearly, Tisha B'av has a special status. Okay. How do we turn to bright? So now we're going to look at unpacking this puzzle that lists the different fast days. It's interesting, though. It's not that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. It's it is itself enough. The time. It's doubling. The double, right. Right. It is true. You would have said that just the fact that it's the day of the Korban Abayas is itself the point. Amar Shimon, right, that's true. Amar Shimon, Arbaz Varim Hayy Rabbi Akiva Doresh, Rabbi Shimon said four things Rabbi Akiva used to explicate. And I don't agree with his interpretation. Okay, and now we're going to look at one of them. The other three, you know, you could go look at the Tosefta, we're going to look at one of them. Somer V'i, so this is the, this is how Rabbi Akiva explains it. The fast of the fourth, Zetchi Shabbatamuz, right? Nisan Iyar Sivan Tamuz. See, obviously the, the, the numbers here are counting the months. So he says the ninth of Tammuz. Now we would say we would say Shivat Sarbat Tammuz, okay? Because the first day of Mikdash, Shabo Hufka Ear. That's when the city was breached. It was in the ninth of the month, and the the famine was great, and there was no bread. But and the city was breached. Now, now Tosa says, if you look at Tosa, says Tosa says Hainu Now, the first place I make that she was breached on the ninth. We do it on the 17th because that was the second place on Mikdash. But then he quotes a fascinating Yerushalmi. He says, And the Yerushalmi's Girsa is the 17th of Tammuz, even in the first place on Mikdash. The Avagav Dixi Bekra Betisha Luchodesh, Hayusham. So the Yerushalmi says, the, this is amazing. The verse says the city was breached on the 9th, it was really the 17th. But the, the, there was so much service that they got the date wrong. Okay? In the Pasuk, the Avagav Dixibak, the Upliya Shatidan, Rotulama, the Mintok Tirdasam, Taube Cheshbonam, the people at the time thought it was the 17th, thought it was the 9th, excuse me, it was actually the 17th. But the Rasa Pasuk was Shanos Mikmoshayusurim. Since the people thought it was the 9th, even though it was really the 17th, the Pasuk said the 9th, even though it was really the 17th. Pretty shocking. Anyway, here it says the 9th, we do it the 17th, either because that was the original date but they got it wrong or because this more standard explanation is the second base on Mikdash this happened on the 17th okay so the city was breached so that's 9th or Shivas Arbatama that's Somer V'i Soma Hamishi last narrow line Zetishabav that's the Tishabav Shabonisar Pesa Okenu that where the house of our God was burnt the Amai Karele Hamishi what does Hamishi mean Hamishi Vachadashim the fifth month Okay, I, I'm sorry, did I skip the line before? Before it says, But my carly, reveal, reveal, lichadashim, fine. Thomas is the fourth of the month, and five is the fifth of the month, is ah. So much we eat, the seventh month. Zegim of Tishrei, Shabo Nero Gedali Ben Achitam, that's the third of Tishrei, when the Gedali Ben Achitam, the uh, governor who, that was left behind, was murdered by, in this whole plot. Umi Hargo, who killed him, Yishmael Ben Netanya Hargo. It's right there in the list. It's given equal weight to Tisha B'Av. So the right, so the killing of the righteous. Funny that he the righteous anyway is as important as I mean he didn't want to accept Lashonara anyway yeah, is right. as you know is as weighty <laughs> as the burning of our temple. So my why is it called the seventh Shvi'i the seventh month? Calvin from Nisan Tishrei is the seventh month. So much read the tenth month the tenth of Tevet. That's when the king of Babel laid siege to Jerusalem, which happened obviously chronologically before all these other events. On the tenth month, on the tenth of the month, again counting from Nisan, that's the third of Tevet. Uh, 
um, right to ver- right this day in the middle of this day. It's the very essence of this day. Write down this date. You will see that this is the date when the uh, king of Babylon laid siege to Jerusalem. Samach, he drew close to. But it means he surrounded the city. Okay? He approached the city is literally what it means. Why is it called the 10th? of the month. Okay. So that's what we have. The fast as we know them. So now we've just got one question. That should have been written first because that chronologically the laying siege happened before all the rest. Why was it in here today? In order to have the months go in order, right? Because if you have, right? I mean, what's the next one? Right? So this is Tamuz of Tishrei and Tavis, right? So, and this is, right, so, and then this is, so this is the breaching of the city, Korban Habayas, Hidalia, so all of that is chronological order, right? The city was breached, the Bethlehem was destroyed, they were sent into Gullus, right? There was a, a, a contingent left behind that Gedalia was put in charge of, exactly. right? And then he was assassinated. But then we have Sarva Tavis, which is Samach Melech Pavel, right? So, which is chronologically happened obviously before the breaching. So that's what he says. This should have been mentioned first, but we had it this way in order to list all the months in order. Okay, so back to the Gemara. That's Rabbi Akiva. The Ani and I any Omer Kamukain, I don't say that. The Soma Hasiri is not a Sarah Tevet, which chronologically happened much earlier. It's the fifth of Tevet. What happened on the fifth of Tevet? That's when the, the report came to the exile, the people that had been exiled before Chorban Abayas, right? There was a whole major section of the community that had already been sent in exile like 11, 12 years before Chorban Abayas. That's when they heard of the Chorban Abayas. On the fifth of Tevet, Legalutenu of our exile, by Eli Hapalit, right? It was the twelfth year of the exile of that contingent that had been exiled earlier, twelve years earlier. Excuse me. By Eli Hapalit in Yerushalayim, Lemor, the uh, refugee came from Jerusalem to say, Chusahir, that the city has been destroyed. So that was when the report came to the exile. The Asu Yom Shmur Ki Yom and the day of the report was as bad. You know, we have some of these ideas like Avelus when you hear about a death. Even after the fact, it's sort of like, you know, then that, that becomes like the Yom Kavura. So the day of hearing of that was like the day in which the temple was destroyed. That's when it was experienced by the exile. And that's what I say. This is. So he says this is not Samach Mambar Pavel. This is the report reached Pavel. Report reached the Galut. And then it is also in exact chronological order. It was breached. It was destroyed. Gedaliah was was assassinated, and finally they heard about all the events in Gaulus. Um uh, where is it? Uh, my approach appears more correct than his. I've got everything happening in right chronological order. He says about the first thing last. Right, the, the the laying siege is at the end of the list, and the last thing is first. Not the last thing is first, but a later thing in the list appears first. Ella Shumona will say to but he'll say, "Look, it doesn't matter. I'm going according. It's just listing the months in order." Then will say to and I say, in addition to the months being listed in order, also you actually have the events listed in order. Okay, and we will pick up with this tomorrow. Now that we understand what those various fast days.